heard the story about a small town that had a squirrel problem. It seems that the squirrels had overrun all four of the town's churches, the Presbyterians, the Baptists, the Methodists, and the Lutherans. After much prayer and consideration, the Presbyterians determined that the squirrels were predestined to be there so they shouldn't interfere with God's divine will. In the Baptist church, the squirrels had taken up residence in the baptistry, so the deacons put a lid on it and tried to drown them. But they escaped and kept multiplying. The Methodists decided not to harm any of God's creatures, so they humanely trapped the critters and set them free across town behind the Lutheran church. The Lutherans came up with the best solution. They baptized the squirrels, made them members of the church, and gave them a copy of the popular handbook called Tithing in a Nutshell. The horrified squirrels immediately ran for their lives and joined back with the Methodists. <laughs> you want to get rid of squirrels? Make them tithe. All right. <laughs> it's a funny story, but in reality, I've never seen a group of squirrels hold a Bible study. Have you? Come on. I've never seen a group of animals having a prayer meeting. There are no squirrel churches in the trees. Why? Because animals don't worship like we worship. Come on. Sure, they are a reflection of God's glory, but worship is something that only people do. We worship because God created us for worship. Do you know that? Mankind is a divine design. Come on, tell somebody, I'm a divine design. Come on, look at somebody else and say, you just look divine today. <laughs> Come on, say it like you mean it. Come on, why do, why do people worship? Because we are a divine design. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You were created and designed by God. Like the psalmist said, Lord, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Man was made in the image of God. The Bible says that in the book of Genesis, in God's image, he created them male and female. Do you know it says nowhere in the Bible where any other thing, not an angel in heaven, not a creature on the earth was ever created in God's image except mankind. God created humanity to talk with him, to walk with him, to fellowship with him, and to worship him. We are uniquely designed by God for worship. Come on, tell somebody your divine design. Listen, there is not a single person on this planet who doesn't worship. You can worship Allah, assalamu alaikum. You can venerate Mary, okay, all right? You can meditate, okay? Buddhism, Buddhism is the saddest religion because there is no God to pray to. There's nobody there. Buddhists can't pray. They can meditate and hope the universe is going to do something, but there is no God in Buddhism. Buddhism is an atheistic religion. Anyway, that's another sermon for another day. Every body on this planet worships, even people who don't believe in God. Uh-huh. Not everybody believes in God, but everybody worships because God designed us to be worshipers. 
Worship is what we do because it's who we are. We have been hardwired to do it. And those who don't worship God simply exchange the creator and worship something he created instead. Everybody worships and everybody has faith. You might not consider yourself a person of faith, but everybody puts their faith in something. I'll prove it to you. How many of y'all have ever gone to a restaurant and eaten food by a person you do not know and you never even met? Boy, that is faith right there. I mean, think about it. What if your ex-girlfriend was in the kitchen and she saw you peeping through the curtain walking in that restaurant saying, oh, yeah, baby, I'm going to put a special ingredient in it today. Come on, that takes faith. But really, though, we all put our faith in something. Some people believe that God created the universe. We put our faith in God. Others believe that we were created by statistically impossible accidents. Let's call it what it is because statisticians... Physicists and biologists agree that no matter how many chemical reactions you have and no matter how many billions and trillions of years you get, there will never be enough of them to create even a single living cell because living things never come from non-living things. But some people put their faith in evolution. They believe that's how we got here, from the goo to you by way of the zoo. <laughs> Either way, you're putting your faith in something. So the question isn't whether or not you're a person of faith. The question is what are you putting your faith in? Faith is built into every person, and so is worship. You can't not worship. It's impossible. We're wired to worship. It's not a matter of whether or not you worship. The question is, what are you worshiping? We talked about in the last series in the days of Elijah how all throughout the history of the nation of Israel, they forsook God in the worship of Baal and Asherah because they had to worship something. And we're the exact same way. Either we'll worship God with a capital G or we'll exchange the worship of God for the worship of other gods with a little g. Not everybody worships the right way, but everybody worships something. You aren't designed to worship. So in this series, let's make sure that, you, that your worship isn't wasted on something that doesn't matter. Because you were created to worship your creator. The Westminster Catechism, anybody ever heard of that? It's just a series of questions and answers that, that are meant to train children up in their faith. It says this, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I think that sums it up pretty good, don't you? Let's, let's look in Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32, I want to see how this plays out for the people in our Bible passage today. Here in Exodus chapter 32, Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, and, and right there in the middle, in the wilderness, he leaves them. See, up until this point, they had been following Moses constantly, continuously. And now for the very first time, Moses leaves them and goes up on Mount Sinai to pray. And he prays for a long time. He stays there 40 days. That's a long time, y'all. 
Some of y'all can't pray for 40 minutes. Moses prayed 40 days. Okay? And here's the thing. Moses was gone, and when the cat's away, the mice will play. The Israelites got tired of waiting for Moses, so they turned to his brother Aaron, the high priest, and they said, Exodus 32, 1, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. Basically, basically because we don't know what happened to Moses. Moses was gone, and they got tired of waiting. Come on, be honest. Raise your hand if you ever get tired of waiting. Come on, my hand's up too. Sometimes I get tired of waiting, especially behind slow drivers in Wayne County. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Sometimes I am waiting for somebody to turn off of the road. I'm like, Sweet baby Jesus, girl, you got an engine in your car? Or are you pushing with your feet like Fred and Barney? Did you die and your car's just rolling off the road? <laughs> Where was I? Sometimes I get tired of waiting. We all get impatient, don't we? Uh-huh. And the Israelites got impatient with Moses. Moses was gone, and they didn't like how long he was up there praying. Aristotle said this. He said, nature abhors a vacuum. Nature requires that every space be filled with something, even if that something is just air, okay? And today we know that is one of the laws of physics, but that is also a spiritual law. The spiritual realm abhors a vacuum, okay? That means that every spiritual space must be filled with something. Jesus taught this in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew 12, 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it, what? Empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Why did he end up worse than he was in the beginning? Because he left the house empty. It is not enough to kick the devil out of your life. Your house has got to be filled with the presence of God. That's why the Bible tells us be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need God on the inside. You need to be filled to overflowing because this world is full of spiritual garbage on the outside that is constantly knocking at the door and pushing on the windows trying to make its way into your life. Come on, tell somebody, you got to keep the garbage out. Our houses have to be filled with the presence and the power and the word of God. If Sunday is the only time you worship God, you're in trouble. That means one of two things. Either you're running on empty all week long, or more realistically, you're filling yourself with garbage all week. Because the spiritual realm demands that every space be filled. If you want to be an overcomer, you better live a daily life 
of worship and prayer. Come on, somebody. The baby's shouting good. What's the grown-ups doing? Come on. Either you're going to be full of God or you'll be full of the devil, full of the world, or full of yourself. Either way, that heart's going to be full. Every spiritual place must be filled. Do you remember why God brought Israel out of Egypt? I mean, do y'all really remember why God brought them out? Because it wasn't just to get them to the promised land. You see, when God called Moses into the ministry at the first Pentecostal assembly of the burning bush, he gave him specific instructions. He said, Moses, I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they might worship me in the wilderness. You see, God doesn't deliver you just to get you to heaven. God delivers you so you can worship him in the wilderness. Oh, come on, somebody. God sets you free not just to get you to the promised land, but so that you can worship him in the wilderness journey all along the way. We worship God because he designed us to worship. Exodus 32, I want you to notice this because it's important. The Israelites couldn't go 40 days without worshiping. Moses was gone. There was a spiritual vacuum. Moses went missing. Hudson told me the other day we were going for a drive, and he said, Daddy, if you ever go missing, don't worry. I'll call in a silver alert. <laughs> I said, gee, thanks, son. Moses goes MIA, so the people of Israel start looking for something to fill that spiritual void. Listen, when there is a lack of spiritual authority, people wander off into idolatry. We saw this during COVID, didn't we? So many people wandered out of church, but I wonder how many of them weren't really there to start with. Because sometimes God will allow calamity and difficult seasons and disasters to come to reveal what is in the heart of man. And if you're not worshiping God with a capital G, you're going to find another lowercase g to fill that void. Mm -hmm. Said it. If we're still on Facebook, I'll keep preaching. So they said to Aaron, who was supposed to be the spiritual leader in charge, right? He was supposed to be the high priest. He, he was supposed to tell them what they needed to hear, but instead he told them what they wanted to hear. When the spiritual leader stops telling people what they need to hear, it opens the door for, the, for evil to come. Aaron said, okay, bring me your gold earrings. Oh, boy. When the preacher starts asking for gold, that's a warning sign too. All right. Exodus 32, it says, Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which are in their ears and brought them to Aaron. Now, it's important to understand where this gold came from. These were not just any gold earrings. All right. They go back to Exodus 12, and we'll find out the, the whole story. Exodus 12, 35. The children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord, 
That's the key. The Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they granted them what they had requested. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites got the silver and gold because the Egyptians wanted them to have it. They got it because God gave them favor and blessed them with it. These gold earrings were provision from God. They were a blessing from God. They were the favor of God upon them. And this was what Israel did. They turned the blessing of God into an idol. They literally used a gift from God and made an idol out of it. They took the favor of God and turned it into a false god. And if we're not careful, we can take our God-given gifts and we can turn them into idols. Oh, boy. In fact, sometimes our greatest blessings can pose the greatest danger. Oh, that house, that car, those clothes, that hobby, those financial blessings... Then he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned with it an engraving tool, and he made a molded calf. Then the people said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of Egypt. Think about this for a moment. They deceived themselves. The people of Israel had seen firsthand all that God had done. They were there when God parted the Red Sea. They had seen the fire and the cloud of the glory of God. And now they were saying this little golden cow did all those things. You have got to be kidding me. Come on, Israel. And honestly, what cracks me up is that they chose a little baby cow as their idol. I mean, if you're going to get an idolatry, at least make it a, a big old bull with huge horns. You know what I'm saying? Not a little baby cow, all right? Because the people said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And instead of worshiping God, they worshiped this little thing they created. Let me give you the definition of worship. Worship comes from the old English word, worth-ship. When you worship, you're saying that this is worthy of my praise. This is part of what it means to worship God. We give him the credit that he deserves. You know what sin is? Sin is the exact opposite. Sin takes the good thing that God does and sin gives credit to anyone and anything other than God. And that's exactly what the Israelites did. God had delivered them. God had blessed them. God had protected them. But instead of worshiping him and acknowledging him, they said, baby, Clarabelle over there saved us. <laughs> Worship is giving God the credit. Psalm 103, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, not we ourselves. There is no such thing as a self-made man. Everything you are, everything you have comes from God. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. It all belongs to him. Amen. Listen, we don't own anything. We can't take credit for anything because it all belongs to God. It all came from him, and one day it's all going back to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You say everything that you have is yours. Let's ask you 100 years from now. 
Come on, when you start to get arrogant, let me give you a Bible verse that's going to fix that immediately. Here's the remedy for pride. Job 34, 14. If God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would turn again to dust. Doesn't that put things into perspective? It is the breath of God that gives us life. Without him, we are nothing. Listen, sometimes we have the bad habit of thinking that we're the center of the universe. Baby, if you sit in the floor in the middle of the room and it doesn't rotate around you, you're not the center of the world. Some of y'all get that during lunch today. Listen, sometimes even Christians get that mentality, but we can't forget the words of Jesus in John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, you are somebody in the kingdom of God, but without Jesus, you ain't nobody. Worship is giving credit where credit is due. And let me give you another definition of worship. Sometimes worship is just saying thank you. Can you imagine how many prayers God answers on a daily basis and we don't even take time to acknowledge it? Come on, the Holy Ghost gets me on this all the time. How many times does he put breath in my lungs on a daily basis? How many times does he make my heart beat and my feet walk and my eyes to see? Never underestimate the power of a grateful heart. Sometimes we just need to stop and tell God, thank you. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Can somebody just take a minute and tell God, thank you in this place. Oh, God, it's your breath in our lungs. Lord, you're, thank you for every heartbeat. God, thank you for every step we take. God, thank you for every word we speak. God, thank you, Lord. In you we live and move and have our being. Thank you, God, for every prayer you answered, for every time you stepped in and you intervened. We say thank you. Exodus 32, 6, they rose early on the next day. They offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink. And they rose up to play. That means they started dancing. They were partying like it was 1999. <laughs> dancing around that little baby cow. Joshua and Moses come down off the mountain. Joshua says, it sounds like the sound of war. And Moses says, no, that's the sound of celebration. Have you ever seen somebody get really excited about something that you knew was dumb? Like Beanie Babies? Or Kale? Or Justin Bieber? How about this one? Somebody who thinks they can dance, but they really can't dance? Come on, they get all cocky about it. They're bragging about it. And they, and they think they're busting a move, but it's just a busted move. <laughs> Here in Exodus 32, the Israelites, they were getting all excited about the wrong thing. Now, let me say this. There's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with being excited, right? We ought to be excited. Sadly, for many people, church is the place where we get dressed up to go take a nap. There's nothing spiritual about being boring, okay? This ought to be the most exciting place on earth, right? Y'all heard about the, the, the person who died in church and the EMTs carried out five of the wrong people before they found the one who died? Come on, child of God. We ought to have some life in us. 
We ought to get happy every now and then. If you're saved and you know it, notify your face. Amen. It's good to have some enthusiasm. In fact, the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word entheos, which means in God. Come on, if you're born again, if you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, blood-bought, redeemed, heaven-bound, if you're in God, you ought to have a little enthusiasm every now and then. They were enthusiastic about the wrong stuff. How much more should we be enthusiastic about the right stuff? Think about it. We've been saved from hell. Come on, and we get to tell other people that they can be saved from hell. It doesn't get any better than that. That ain't fake news. That's the best news of all. Sometimes I don't think our biggest problem is feeling bad enough about what's wrong with us. I think our biggest problem is not feeling good enough about what's right about God. I think one of our biggest sins is under-celebrating. Church heaven's going to be a cosmic celebration. It's going to be a dance party like no other. One of the tactics of the enemies, he'll try to get us to focus on every fault and every flaw that we've ever had. Why? To keep us from worshiping God. Listen, we all have issues. You don't believe me? Just look around. Amen. But listen, don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worship, worshiping what's right about God. And what's right about God? Everything. Everything. I don't worship God because I'm great. I worship him because he is great and he is greatly to be praised. But here's the bottom line. The Israelites were worshiping the wrong thing. They were singing and dancing and celebrating around this little golden calf that they made to Baal. Long story short, Moses comes down from the mountain Melts the golden calf. He crushed it up into powder. And then Moses did something highly unusual. Moses put the powder in the water and he made the Israelites drink it. What a strange thing to do. Why would Moses do such a thing? I'm glad you asked. I have a theory. You see, according to medical science, you can eat gold... But you can't digest it. Gold has no nutritional value. In other words, it just passes through you. And when something passes through you, eventually it comes out. Now, I'm not trying to be crude. But I think God was making a very graphic point to the Israelites. I think he was telling them, look at your idol now. God was telling them, this is what your idol really is. Your idol stinks. Don't worship a stinking idol because when God is not number one in your life, everything else is going to become number two. That's all I'm going to say about that. And as we get ready to bring the service to a close, I want you to think about this. How'd you like to do an illustrated sermon on this? <laughs> Maybe vacation Bible school. I don't know. No, no. The day that Moses came down from the mountain here in Exodus 32 is an important day for the Jewish people. It's the day that God gave them the Ten Commandments. It had been 50 days since the Passover in Egypt. Moses met with God on the mountain and God with his own finger wrote the Ten Commandments on stone. That day that Moses came down from Mount Sinai became, became known as the day of Pentecost. And this first day of Pentecost 
In Exodus 32 was a day of judgment and 3,000 people died. But the day that the church was born, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people believed and received eternal life. When you worship worthless idols, it leads to death and destruction. But when you worship God, it leads to life and freedom. Psalm 115 says this, their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak and eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear and noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel and feet but cannot walk. Throats but cannot make a sound. And those who make idols are just like them, as are all who trust in them. Listen to me. You will become what you worship. If you worship something that is empty and dead, that's what you'll become. But if you worship God, the author of life, you will have life. So my question is, as we stand to pray, who are you worshiping today? Lord, I just thank you, Father, for this day, Lord. And Lord, right now, I just pray, Father, Lord, that you show us and open our eyes as to what we're worshiping, Father. God, show us what things we're putting before you, Lord. God, open our hearts, Father, Lord, that we see what is going before you, Father. Lord, this morning, I thank you that as we see those things, that we begin to remove them from our life if they need to be removed, Father, or they come down from being between us and God. God, that they don't stand in between us anymore, Father, and you. That they don't have that place in our life anymore, Father. But Lord, that in everything we do, that we honor you, Father. That we respect you. That we worship you with our whole heart, Lord. Not just on Sundays, Father. But God, that we worship you every day of the week. God, that you are our number one in our life, Father. And that our life reflects our relationship with you, Lord. God, let us honor you. In all that we do, Father, let everything that we say bring glory to your name, Father. God, use us to be the vessels that we need to be used as, Father. God, use us to pour out into the people that we need to pour out into, Father. God, let us take our eyes off of ourselves today, Father, and see the needs of other people, Lord. God, use us to reach the nations. Use us to reach our neighbors. Use us to reach every person that you place in front of us, Father. And God, that as we worship you, Lord, and we put you first in our life, God, that you open up the doors that need to be opened, Father. God, that you change us that you change us in your image, Father. That you remove things from our life that shouldn't be there. That we get rid of things that are worthless. The material things that stand between us and you. And Lord, may we always give you all the glory and all the honor that you deserve. God, when you answer small prayer requests, when you answer big prayer requests, may our praise be no less. 
But God, may we praise you in the small and in the big the same way, Lord. God, may we give you honor, Father. Lord, may we surrender our life to you this morning and be obedient in everything that you say. And I rebuke the devourers of the enemy this morning that may blind us into saying that God's not real, he's forgotten. God, this morning, remind those that need to be reminded that you are real, that you love them with an everlasting love, that you've never left them, that you've never forsaken them, that you are right there beside them, holding their hand, walking them through the things that they're going through, Father. May they feel your love and may it be so real to them that they can't deny it you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for everything you've done in our life. God, let's just take, we just want to take this moment right here where we're at. Before we leave and get busy to just worship you, to just thank you for waking us up, for healing us, for covering us, for protecting us. For saving us and for setting us free. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for being Abba Father, for being our provider, for being our healer. We just thank you right now in this moment. May we never forget the sacrifice of Jesus' life on that cross for us so that we could have eternal life. For the blood that was shed. God, may we never forget that sacrifice and may we never take for granted the things you've done in our life and who you are. Lord, we just thank you, and we praise you, and we worship you. God, let our worship just edify you right now.
steal, to kill, or destroy. He said, but I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. The thief comes to steal. He comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. But God said that I'm giving you life, not just a little bit of life, but life that is abundant, life that is overflowing, life that doesn't have to worry, not a life that's being robbed because that is the enemy. If you feel right now downtrodden and like things are coming after you, that is the enemy. He's coming to kill your joy. He's coming to destroy your life. The enemy doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be free. He wants you to stay bound. He doesn't want you to serve God. He wants you to keep running. He's the one that says God's not for you. When God's for you, he's fighting for you. So this morning, surrender. Stop running. And this morning, if you haven't surrendered your life to God, right now is your opportunity. Say this prayer after me, and I'm going to ask that everybody repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in you. Save me. Set me free. Forgive me of my sins. And be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'm going to serve you forever. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, let's just give God the glory and the honor.